Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Amy, and I am excited to bring you today's episode, Spring Clean Your Craft Room in Four Easy Steps, because I'm really hoping that it's going to be extra helpful and beneficial to you. Um, Spring is just about here, meteorologically speaking, since we're in March. I'm told that officially it is spring. I know the first day of spring, according to the solstice and the daylight savings time and all that good stuff is coming up in about 10 days. And so either way you look at it, we're headed for spring and that means all kinds of really good things. One of those for us here in Maryland has been spring weather, which has blessed us this week. Um, It's been beautiful here in the 60s and 70s with bright sunshine. So our family has been doing what we love best in the nice weather, which is we have been golfing. Um, All of us have our own clubs. Every one of us loves to golf. So we have been driving balls at the range. We are going to practice our putting and chipping later this afternoon when the kids are done with school. And so we have just been enjoying the weather. We've been taking long walks. Uh, The dog is loving it. We're loving it. Um, That's one of the wonderful things that springtime brings. Um, Another thing that spring often brings is it gives us sort of that instinct to clean up and organize and freshen up our space. And I'm not sure why that is. I guess maybe it's tied into the idea that spring is all about renewal and rebirth. And so something inside of us as we see the outside as we see nature kind of doing that and getting rid of just the blech of winter and blooming and we see flowers and trees and everything taking on new life and just being beautiful again. I think there's something inside of us that wants our indoor spaces to do that too. We want to get rid of just all the meh that winter brings and we want to bring new life into the spaces that we live in. So we want color, we want organization, we want things to be clean and fresh and neat. And I guess that's kind of where that urge comes from because I find myself wanting that even though I absolutely hate to clean. Um, I don't know that anyone loves it except possibly my dad. Dad's mom. My grandmother seems to love cleaning for some reason, but uh, most of us, I think it's not our favorite on our to-do list. And yet here we are with this instinct to go crazy in our houses and just make our spaces more beautiful. So what I wanted to talk about today is how we can apply that instinct in our crafting area and cleaning up our craft room. If you've been following along with me on my website, amylattacreations.com, as well as here, my last um, episode of the podcast on my social media, you know that I've just recently done this. I did a huge renovation of my crafting space. Uh, Mine in particular was... um, precipitated by getting the dream box and so I had to go through everything and just reorganize all of my supplies because I had this great new piece of furniture but whether or not you have a dream box is irrelevant for the four steps that we're going to talk about today. This is um, an easy system that you can apply no matter how big or small your craft space is, where in your house it is, whether it's a permanent all-the-time crafting space or whether it's a space that you share with other um, activities and events, uh, whatever it is, wherever you use, hopefully these four steps will help you to be able to organize it, neaten it up, and make it a place that you are excited to work and to create. So let's talk about these four easy steps, shall we? Step one is what I like to call the purge. 
the first step of organizing is getting rid of all the excess things that you don't actually need or use. And I have to confess, friends, that this is a really hard step for me because I'm a pack rat. (laughs) I'm the person who hates to throw anything away because I'm constantly thinking, oh, but I might need that for something someday. I have no idea what, but I hate to let it go because I feel like as soon as I do, I'm going to find a use for it. But the truth is, if you've had a craft supply for over a year and you haven't used it, you probably never will. It is okay and it's even necessary to part with things because having a truly organized and useful space means only having the supplies you actually need. So a few simple things that are going to help you with step one, purging. First of all, get rid of any supplies that you haven't used in the past year. Unless you've got a specific project in mind, like somebody's wedding or a birthday or something that's coming up, and you know that you have a specific supply and you have an intended purpose for it and a date when it's going to be done, let that stuff go. If it's not marked for a particular project and you haven't used it, it's time to let it go. And like I said, this is hard because you're thinking in the back of your mind, what if? But if it comes around and you're looking for that supply and you think, oh, bummer, you can always buy it again. Most of the supplies that you would be purging, things like I got rid of some pipe cleaners, goodness, they're like a dollar at Walmart. So if I need to buy them sometime, I'll buy them. So if you haven't used it in the past year, time to let it go. I found things in my craft room that I haven't used since we moved into this house five years ago, and I've just been holding on to them in case. So it was time to get rid of those things. Next, you want to realistically look at your PhDs, which is what I abbreviate projects half done. All of us have them. These are the projects that we got really excited about because we saw them on Pinterest or we saw something in the store and thought I could make that or whatever it was, we got excited, we bought the supplies, we might have even started, but we never finished. It doesn't matter why, it's just time to evaluate honestly, are we going to complete these projects? It is okay to say that something didn't work out the way that we hoped. Maybe we got the supplies and we started and it didn't end up looking like that thing on Pinterest it's okay. Honestly, maybe you started it, but you didn't enjoy the process and you're just not interested in doing it anymore. That's okay too. Let those projects go without any negative self-talk. Don't make yourself feel bad about it. Don't feel the need to explain to anybody. Just let them go and focus on finishing the others. So you want to sort those half-done projects into, I'm going to get rid of these. These are never going to get finished. And I actually am going to complete these other ones. Another good step in the purging process is to do a quality test. So if you're anything like me, you're going to find as you're going through your supplies, lots of opened things, things like glue, Mod Podge, paint, paint pens and markers. So a lot of times these half opened, half used things are fine. But sometimes over time, they sort of deteriorate and either the markers will dry up or the paint will dry up and it won't be usable anymore. The Mod Podge will get gloppy. It happens. So test out those things and just do a little visual check or if it's the marker or something like that, scribble it on a piece of paper. Test out those markers, the paint pens, the fabric pens. Make sure that they still write. And then anything that's not in usable condition anymore goes in the trash. 
I was honestly embarrassed by how many things I ended up having to toss in trash bags because they were literally no good. And yet they were taking up space in my cabinets, in my bins. So quality test, you know, visual inspection or whatever you need to do and make sure that you're only holding on to things that are actually useful. And last tip for the purging process Get rid of duplicates. If you're a supply hoarder like me, you'll probably find that you have some multiples of the same thing that you don't really need. For example, yes, it is great to have a jar of Sparkle Mod Podge. I love that stuff. But I had six. I did not actually need six jars of Sparkle Mod Podge. Now, it's one thing to have Gloss Mod Podge, Matte Mod Podge, Dishwasher Safe Mod Podge, you know, all the different formulas because they do different things. That's fine. But I didn't need six of the same thing. If you're in the same boat and you don't reasonably expect to need all those extras anytime soon, you're not working on a giant project, it's better to donate them, which we're going to talk about more in the next step, than to hang on to them indefinitely. Like we said before, if you need more in the future, you can always purchase more when the time comes. But for now, it's just taking up a lot of extra space and it's not getting used anytime soon. In fact, it runs the danger of not passing the quality test later because if you hold on to it for too long, there's a chance it's going to dry up or get gloppy and not be useful when you actually do want it. Okay, so that's the purge. Once you've gone through your supplies and you've separated what you actually use from what you don't, it's time to decide to do with the things that you aren't keeping. So what are we going to do with everything that we're not holding on to? And that's where we come to step two, the donation. Personally, I hate throwing things away that are good or feeling like I'm wasting them. So I set aside the things that failed the quality test and I put those in the trash because nobody wants anything that doesn't work. But that excess pile that I'm left with of perfectly good supplies, there are several different things that you can do with these. You can donate them um, in several different areas. So one group to think about is your friends and family. If you have other creative folks in your life, which I'm sure you do, why not offer them the opportunity to come over and shop for free from your discard pile? Don't forget about the people in your life who have young kids who will be way more excited about things like old pipe cleaners and sequins and things than you are. You might be surprised by how useful your discards are to other people. A lot of times I find that because I have so many craft supplies, I take them for granted. And I don't realize that I have friends who, you know, anytime their kids need to do a school project, they have to go out and buy what they need. Whereas my kids just come down and it's like they're walking through the aisles of Michael's here in my craft room. And they're just pulling out, oh, here's the glue, here's the paint, here's the brushes. Not everybody has that. So There are definitely going to be people in your life who would jump at the chance to come and look through your leftovers. It's kind of like the yard sale mentality. Your trash is somebody else's treasure. So why not see if you have friends or family who are into the things that you're giving away? You know, especially think about those specific hobbies that the people in your life pursue. Maybe you're kind of over making jewelry. So you have a bunch of beads. Is there somebody you know Who likes to make things with beads? Offer them that opportunity first. Another thing that you can do is donate to local schools. I will tell you firsthand from experience that art teachers get giddy when you remember them and bring a donation of supplies for their classroom. 
these teachers, like all teachers, work with a very limited budget. Um, We know, goodness, we know that teachers spend out of pocket for their students all the time, buying supplies and things that they shouldn't have to purchase themselves. Um, So the idea of thinking about them and offering them these supplies that are still useful um, really means a lot. They are always in need of even the most basic things in art classrooms, things like glue, glitter, paints. And a lot of times, you know, they're happy to use things even if they've been open before. You might have a big jug of Mod Podge and you've used a little bit, but there's plenty left. They're going to happily take that off your hands. So for this one, if you have kids, obviously you're going to probably want to go to their school first. But even if you don't have any kids or grandkids in the school system, just pick a local school, contact them, ask to speak to the art teacher and see if he or she is interested in the things that you have. Chances are they're going to jump at the opportunity to take whatever you're giving. Some other things you can think about uh, besides going the school route are other nonprofit organizations. There are tons of local groups who, like schools, have minuscule budgets, but they do crafty projects and they would love to take the supplies off your hands. Think about scout troops. They're always doing creative things, but again, you know, they're dependent on selling their cookies and selling their popcorn and their Christmas trees or whatever their fundraisers are. Um, And they don't always have a ton of funding that they can go out and buy all kinds of fancy supplies. Senior centers, once again, um, they offer little art classes and art projects for their residents, and again, working with limited finances. Uh, Libraries often have kids programming and even adult programming and things like that where um, they would be happy for the donations of crayons or markers or whatever you have to give. Um, Children's ministries at churches, once again always in need of those kinds of supplies. So think about in your community, is there one of these things that means something special to you, to your family, and you can reach out to them and see if they're interested in the donation. And then finally, you can always donate to Goodwill or a thrift store. Unlike some of the other options, uh, this one is probably going to charge people at resale, and they probably aren't going to take things that are partially used, Um, but it's still a way to donate rather than throw away uh, to help the community and not feel like you're being wasteful and just getting rid of perfectly good supplies because you don't want or need them anymore. Uh, So that's step two is the donation, figuring out where are some great places that you can give your excess. Step three, it's time to organize the things that you're keeping. And this is what I call the big sort. So we did the purge, we did the donation, now we're going to do the big sort. And this is where you're going to go through all of your supplies and you're going to sort them based on what type of crafting they represent. So for example, my groupings when I reorganized were something like this. I had hand lettering supplies, I had Cricut supplies, I had jewelry making supplies, and metal stamping supplies because it's a little bit different, crochet and knitting supplies, painting, and then just sort of general crafting like kids crafts or just in general things like glue and tape, glue guns, etc. Once you have your broad categories, it's time to break them down and sort them more specifically. So for example, I took my hand lettering supplies and I sorted them into types like paper, pencils, markers, paint markers. I sorted my Cricut supplies, vinyl, mats, tools, infusible ink, blanks like the blank t-shirts and coasters and things that you put things on, um, and so on. 
Then once you have those smaller categories, you're going to sort them even further. So now I'm looking at my lettering supplies. I have a category called paint markers and I'm going to sort them into black and white paint markers, metallic paint markers, colored paint markers. See where I'm going with this? I sorted my Cricut vinyl into permanent vinyl, removable vinyl, HTV iron-on vinyl, specialty vinyl, smart vinyl for the joy. So we're going more and more and more specific because the more specific your categories are, once you store those supplies, it's going to be so easy for you to find the exact things that you're looking for. So for me, instead of having eight bins that are vinyl, I have one that's iron-on vinyl. I have two that are removable vinyl. I have two that are Joy, Cricut Joy Smart Vinyl. I have one that's specialty vinyl. So it's very easy for me at a glance to go to the right spot instead of having to sort through a bunch of different bins where everything's all mixed together. The same thing applies for my markers. I got these long skinny bins and I have one that's just ceramic pens, one that's just chalk, one that's chalk pens, one that's metallic paint pens, one that's colored paint pens, one that's black and white paint pens, one that's aqua pens, and so on. So it's really, really simple. Anytime I need a supply, I know exactly what bin to grab so that I can find the precise thing that I need for my project. This saves me so much time and it's made it possible for me to create more things, believe it or not, because I'm not overwhelmed about, oh, I know I have the supply, but I have no clue where I put it or I have to sort through this giant jumbly bin full of crap. So I know where I'm going. I know where my stuff is and I know where to put it back. And that is huge too, because I am infamous, ask my husband for not always cleaning up my messes. So now it's, I have no excuse. Everything is labeled, literally. So it's everything has a place, everything in its place, a place for everything, whatever it is that they say. Um, So I know exactly where everything needs to go and I put it back when I'm finished. All right, so now we've completed the first three steps. We've purged the excess that we don't want or need, we've donated it, and we've gone through the big sort. So all that's left is to store the things that we've sorted and organize them in a way that makes sense for us. Ultimately, each of our organization systems is going to look a little bit different because it needs to make sense for us. But a huge part of coming up with a system that works long term is choosing the right types of storage for the things that you're storing. So I wanted to share a few of the things that I use and what they're particularly great for. One of those things is I have clear containers. Mine are like clear plastic jars, but you could also use mason jars, things like that. And the benefit of those kinds of clear containers is that you can easily see exactly what's inside. I like using these for things like my tubes of glitter, things like buttons, so that I can organize them by color. And just by looking, I can immediately see the options that I have. Side benefit is that they also look super pretty sitting on the shelf. Another thing that I have just started using recently um, after my reorganization is the use of metal rods or bars. You could also use wooden dowels or whatever you have. Um, And I love using the rods to hold things like washi tape and ribbon. I used to keep these supplies all jumbled up together in bins and baskets, but the problem was, first of all, the ribbon often got tangled up and I never knew all the different colors and styles that I had. I was just sort of sifting through and hoping to find something useful. 
it was really hard to find exactly what I wanted, but now I can see at a glance all of the options that I have. When I need to use something, I just roll off the amount that I need, snip it, and go on my way. I don't have to take anything on or off of the bars. It's really, really easy, and it's been a game changer solution for me. I'm wondering why I didn't try it years ago. Another thing that I have is bins with labels. So for items that aren't going in clear containers, I recommend using bins that you can put a label on. And it's fine and maybe even recommended if these labels are changeable, if they're not permanent, but you can peel them off and stick something else on there later, or maybe there's something you can erase or whatever the case might be. So if you decide later that you want to store something different, you can change it. I had clear bins that I covered with vinyl and then added labels to using removable vinyl. And it's really simple because I just typed whatever was going in that bin. So maybe it's pencils, maybe it's vinyl, maybe it's thread, maybe it's fabric paint. But I typed those words and used my Cricut to cut it out of vinyl and then I adhered it onto the front of each bin. So at a really quick glance, I can see what every bin holds. Mine are, of course, part of my Dreambox setup, but you can use this, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're working with shelves or in a cabinet or what you have. If you have bins, chances are you can add some kind of label so that you can easily tell what goes where. And finally, um, I also, as you know, am a lettering artist, and so that means I have tons of pens and markers that I have to store. And I have found that horizontal storage is really, really important for my main markers. Anything that's dual tipped, which includes my precious Tombow ABT Pro markers and Tombow dual brush pens, things like that, have to be stored horizontally in order to prolong their life. Um, I go into the reasons for that in my most recent Ask Amy segment on YouTube. So if you're interested in why, you can check that out over on my YouTube channel. But um, the at the end of the day, all markers would benefit from being stored horizontally. So I have a tool cubby that I use, and it's got all these different little squares. And it looks kind of like the marker display at Michael's, to be honest. Um, but you can use something like that, or you can just use bins and put your markers in horizontally. I have a lot of that too. Um, but keeping in mind that you're storing each item in the way that it is best stored. So um, putting things in a way where they're not going to get damaged and where you're going to be able to extend their life and keep their quality the way that you want it to be. So those are kind of my suggestions as far as how I put my organizational system together. Once again, yours might look totally different and you might have some of your own favorite tips and tricks and I would love to hear what those are as well. Um, But those are the four easy steps that I suggest if you want to spring clean your crafting space. So we're going to purge our excess, we're going to donate it so that somebody else can enjoy it and get their craft on. And we're going to do the big sort, and then we're going to find the right ways to store each different kind of supply. So friends, I truly hope that that has been helpful to you. Like I said, no matter what kind of organization system you're working with, uh, whatever space you have, wherever in your house it is, I hope that these four steps um, can still apply and help you to create a space that's organized and inspires you to create even more than you already are doing. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And for more information and inspiration, 
you can head over at any time to amyladdercreations.com. Right now I have lots of St. Patrick's Day themed tutorials and we're going to be heading into projects for the spring. And of course, um, don't forget to visit and subscribe to my YouTube channel where I've got the Ask Amy video every Monday, as well as other tutorial videos and all of my latest segments on Good Day PA and other lifestyle shows. Um, and so make sure that you're following in all those places so that you don't miss anything fun. And in the meantime, take care and happy crafting. Thanks for listening to Crafting and Coffee with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylatticreations.com.